Downloading this episode of Discussing Documentaries with myself, Matt Wills, and Rick Wharton. Today we are talking about the brand new Netflix docuseries Murder Among the Mormons. Uh, it was released yesterday, right, Rick? Yes. We are yeah. so up to date. It's incredible. Well, what we're trying to do is create evergreen content with a bit of buzz. So it will just release whatever. What, what was yesterday's date, Matt, is what you should be saying. Yesterday's date was the 3rd of March. There we go. Released 3rd of March. There we go. Um, so today we've watched it. All three episodes. It's about two and three quarter hours. We've watched it. Let's dissect it. So it was directed... But oh, I, just firstly, it was provided by Netflix. But did you see who it was made well, by? Well, this was the thing. Uh, we started watching this, and we have we did get slightly burned by the Cecil Hotel. We did. And this is a this is a docu series we're doing, and uh, so we decided for this one, bollocks, we're going to put this all into one <laughs> into one episode. Uh, and I'm like, all right, I quite like the transition shots. You know, it looks a little ah, like, oh, it's BBC mother. If I don't yeah. see Louis Theroux in this, I'm not fucking watching. <laughs> BBC Studios production, but it doesn't look BBC-ish. No, they made it for Netflix. <laughs> it's so yeah, funny. yeah. Like, even BBC's not putting shit on iPlayer right now. And did you? I know you're a fan of the films I'm just about to mention, but do you know who Jared Hess, the director, was directed by Jared Hess and Tyler Meeson? But do you know who Jared Hess, do you know what he's famous for directing and writing? No. Napoleon Dynamite. Nowhere. Yeah. And and right, a discussing documentaries little little shout out. He also uh, directed Nacho Libre, the wrestling movie with Jack Black. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right, another can, one I'm not going to watch? I can I can see I can see he had his chance at the big time with a studio picture, and it did not go well. <laughs> oh, is that not a good film? Is that? No, okay. yeah, it's because wrestling's fake and it's def- it's very difficult to do a movie about it unless it's something like Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler, which is you know very well done, but it's more about the you know the heartbreak on the other side of the ring, not a ooh can he do a flip? Yeah, okay, all right, I won't You've watch that the one then. No, it's on my watch list though. Yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. Um, right, so the money on this one, we don't know. It only came out yesterday. The accolades only came out yesterday. But here's the blurb. High this stakes. Is, this ex- is why I keep picking modern documentaries. You don't have to listen to this shit at the beginning, Matt, and you still have to go through and say, We don't know. We don't know. They won't release the files. <laughs> Rick, it's on a template. I've have to fill out the template. <laughs> so here's the blurb. So you'd fit in these very well of these people who take templates very seriously. <laughs> oh, I did, yes. <laughs> I'm all about this documentary. So the blurb is high stakes exploit turned deadly and shake a global church to its core in this extraordinary true crime story. I don't think that blurb's that accurate, but um, it, it starts with a bombing in Utah, Salt Lake City. So that hooks you in pretty quickly. Yeah, you got you got like there's like I think three bombings they show you. Yeah, three bombings they, in the same day, pretty much. And then they go back and they explain what document hunters are, which, oh, did I just get a little pang of, here's hoping this picks up quickly because you've got people <laughs> in the like, yes, and 
you know, he had copies of the Beowulf that was oof, <laughs> really, really old. Um, well, let's just quickly cover a little bit of who the Mormons are, and we're going to do this really quickly, right? This so is, the Mormons, can I just make this? This was my yeah. take on the, what the Mormons were. So it's the story of Joseph Smith. Yep. And the best I can surmise from it is Joseph Smith was the first time Jesus spoke to a white guy <laughs> and yep. told him, hey, you can have more wives. And that's all I know <laughs> about the Mormons. <laughs> I forgot they could have more wives. Um, well, basically... That was amazing. Three hours of Mormons and no one mentioned uh, polygamy or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of history on the Mormons. Do yourself a favour, watch uh, Season 7, Episode 12 of South Park, entitled All About the Mormons. It covers the whole Joseph Smith story. He was the founder of the Mormons. They're also called the Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, I've learned so much from watching South Park. I, I think we should run a campaign to get that into the national curriculum for kids. South Park is the Beatles of fucking comedy writers. Like, if you watch their yeah. evolution and growth from just pop culture to cultural re- relevance, it's fucking fantastic. But but I watched that years ago, that episode, and I was like, oh, my God, is that how the Mormons were founded? A guy said he'd found some gold plates, but no one else was allowed to see them. Yeah. And he's going to yeah, translate yeah, yeah. them. No one's allowed to know. That's, the South that's... Park episode is superb. That's pretty much it. I was about to say that uh, we can pretty much say what the fuck we want about Mormons, but then apparently they also know how to use bombs. So I don't know what list they go on. I I don't know what list they go on. Um, So we meet Shannon Flynn. Shannon Flynn! What happened to his voice? Immediately, I reckon he did it. Because the minute I hear his voice, he's the rare book dealer who they interviewed while he was doing a dress rehearsal to play Winston Churchill. Um... No, Daddy Warbucks is what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I need to tell you about. <laughs> and he's so jittery. Like, yeah, I mean. He's a jittery son of a bitch. Yeah, you could have <laughs> fought, he'll jump into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but how well is he dressed? I don't trust men with pocket watches, all right? I don't know. It's just because I'm from a time where that's anyone in a cartoon of a pocket watch is busy tying a woman to a fucking real rear track. Oh, yeah, of but course. But I don't trust it. Haven't you got an issue with. People wearing bow ties as well. Um, was that you, or was that was that my missus saying that? One of one of you doesn't like people who wear bow ties. I think that was you. Oh, I was on the Britney Spears one. Yeah, anyone on TV wearing a bow tie is had there a sexual go. allegation against them. I do. I also have to clarify with uh, white privilege that uh, any white guy with privilege, because there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of Malcolm X Nation of Islam guys who don't have any. <laughs> I don't want any beef with that. I did, did not try to creep onto Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this Daddy Arbuckle fella, uh, Shannon Flynn, great name. He's a rare document dealer, and basically you open up with a talking head of him, and he's a. You you see him throughout the documentary, and you see him interviewed as a young man because the bombings happened in 1985, and then you see him now when he was interviewed when the documentary was made last year, and what happened to his voice? It's got to be something wrong with his throat. But it's Garby, right? Because he sounds, he sounds super villainy. He really does, like the penguin in a in a TV Batman. Like, yeah. so we meet him. They go on about how they basically describe what being a rare document dealer is and all this stuff and selling things and buying and getting them authenticated. Um, and then there's a guy, Mark Hoffman, who's a young Mormon. He's a pretty big part of this. Uh, he finds he finds every document going. 
yeah, he, he, if someone's looking for yeah. it, he tends to be able to have a contact that can find it. Yes, yeah, yeah. And on one of them, he finds a rare book and his missus goes through it and the pages are stuck together. It's like these fucking Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Them and their insanity over the Bible. Oh, come on. Yeah, and then they find this like folded page within the page, which is like a Joseph Smith text or a letter, which is called the yeah. Salamander letter, which yeah. then kind of hits at the heart of the Mormon religion because then it wasn't an angel that came and told Joseph Smith he can have yep. more wives. It was a giant fish. Am I? Is that what a salamander is? Or have I no, just it's, put... a, it's a lizard. Oh, my, my bad. Yeah, so yeah. a giant lizard so, um, yeah. told so, Joseph Smith this and that. And here's the thing. The minute that happened, right, I've, I've made like 60-odd notes for this, for this three-part series. Note number nine, the one I made now, is straight away, I'm like, this is a scam. This is a fucking <laughs> scam, right? So have you ever seen a film called Can You Ever Forgive Me? No. It's, it's Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, and she plays a woman writer called Lee Israel. And basically, she she falls out of vogue with the publishers. And they're like, yeah, you're just not relevant anymore. So she starts writing letters as if they were from famous people and just starts selling them around the bookshops in New York. Hmm. Right. It's a great film. It's a true story. She gets caught. She goes to prison. And the second they went, oh, look what we found. I'm like, Melissa McCarthy, his wife, she's a fraudster. So they're talking. So Shannon's talking about um, who was it that goes around and plays Celestial Pursuit, which like Hoffman just has all the knowledge and they played the Celestial Pursuit, which is the Mormon version of, of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do a Christian rave? Woo! Yeah, yeah, I actually played oh, Jewish no. Monopoly and it lasted quite some time. When Shannon Flynn goes on about the white salamander letter... I genuinely think he's going to orgasm. Yeah, yeah. He's jumping about the place. Oh, my God, you're close. You are close, <laughs> mate. You are really close. Let me tell you something about this letter. It was <laughs> up there with one of the most magnificent things that the church did not want you to see. Because also the Mormon church are like, wait a minute. If they say it's yeah. the lizard and not an angel, we're going to look like fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it undermines the whole history of... Um, the Mormon faith, right? And that's, and they've got a real problem with that because this religion is, I, I guess from an age point of view, if you go back to episodes 36, 37, that's the latest religion to be quote, uh, created. That was Scientology. I guess the one before that was Jesus Christ, the Church of Latter-day Saints, right? Like 100 years beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so no, the Mormons. Right. So you go, yeah, Scientology, Mormons, then you go back to, you know, Islam, Christianity, Judaism. So um, I'm sure there's some others in there. I apologise. <laughs> we got all these Taoists sitting at home now going, you haven't mentioned our religion, you fuck. <laughs> what about Buddhism? Is <laughs> your religion. Women and gears don't count. <laughs> <laughs> and this salamander letter, it sells for $40,000 to Steve Christensen, who... Is a proper Mormon. He donates it to the church. Yeah, and it kind of seems like he's a middleman that they're giving the money to to buy this stuff because anything that's yeah. damaging. And again, this the, very similar to, I mean, I'm parroting. I know that this is not 
particularly accurate, but like the Da Vinci Code, you see like the Catholic Church, like they've got texts that only certain people are allowed to see. Yeah. You're not allowed to hear about Xenu until you've got a certain hat on, that yeah. kind of stuff. Because um, they're so insecure, aren't they? And there's all kinds right, of. If people like, knew the truth, people knew the truth, they wouldn't follow us. Yeah, maybe they might. I've been in like half conversations with people who have read up on like the Knights of the Templar and shit like that, and someone's once told me. Jesus went to Plymouth. <laughs> like, the fucking fascinating. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, and I haven't read what, what, enough to... What, why, did he, why did he do that? Was... A cheap holiday, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got anyway, once and he's Jesus. Uh, he wanted to see the family from the Cecil just to tell, see what he can turn water into. Um, I guess he could have walked there, right? So it wouldn't have been that hard. <laughs> But there's all kinds of stuff with that. Um, so, yeah, so there is, like, a market and a big subculture for... Yeah, huge. ...red documents, which I think the internet has to just break in half. As long as you can read it, who gives a fuck what the paper's on it? Do you know what I mean? Like, Well... Surely the minimalist believes in paperless documents. Come on. Uh, no, I, I, I do completely. Um, but here's the thing. It, if something reinforces your belief... What's it worth to you? Yeah. Right. And religious people, I think, are a little bit, they get a little bit nuts on stuff like this. So, um, like, like, yeah, they love like this salamander get, if, document. If, if this continues to grow and people discover that Matt didn't give away his shoes in his minimalist experiment, we have to buy them off. We have to keep that. <laughs> we've got to keep that under wraps, otherwise, we lose every fucking subscription I've, we've got. I'm fairly sure I said I didn't give away my shoes. I'm not an animal. I'll give I give away everything else. I gave away books for God's sake. What more do you want? Um, there was a great quote so, from the church because um, these documents are very damaging, but they come out and make like public statements on like Utah TV. Yeah. And one of the guys says, "We're not going to waste our time going through history." Is that like, you're a fucking church? <laughs> <laughs> And you've only been around for 170 years. Yeah. What's the point you know? in digging up the past? And it's just like, oh, fair <laughs> enough. Isn't that your whole reason for being tax exempt? Like, <laughs> but this just fascinated me because, like, when you're seeing like this letter, just changes the whole iconography of a religion, or possibly does. If you knew yeah. calligraphy 200 years ago, you could fucking affect the world. Like, <laughs> yes. So yeah, we we are very blessed to be able to read and write. 200 years ago. You were a god. I, I, I'll give you an, a good a good example of this, right? In 1991, I was 20. Me and my mate, my mate especially so, were considered quite useful blokes to know because we knew a lot of shit, right? And we sounded very confident when we talked about it. There was no Google to check the nonsense that we were spouting <laughs> off. Right? So... We were Google ruined people like me. I would be really successful now if it wasn't for Google. Was is he said that's true what he said, isn't it? No, I've just checked it on my phone. No, that's bullshit. He's talking bollocks. <laughs> this is exact exactly the same as these people. Yeah, these no, people. I, I agree with it. Um, Hoffman, who basically Hoffman says, "Hey, what are you uh, what are you looking for then?" And they went, well, "We really would like to see this." And he went, "Oh." I got a copy of that. And again, my radar's going, oh, this is dodgy. You can't have, someone can't be that lucky in their job. Well, they keep finding what everybody wants. I was a little bit behind on the track on this because then, like, at this point. Really? Um, well, you've thought, changed since you've gone up north, mate, I'm telling you. 
Here's the thing. I'm not interested in the fucking documents. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. The the oath to the salamander could could wipe my ass with her. Couldn't give a couldn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> all all I'm doing on a true crime documentary is trying to work it out. Yeah, I well, me be too. But it. like mine yeah. was all because for me the clue was in the fucking title of the Mormon bombings. So I was I was more leaning towards all right. So the church have had people fucking like that albino and Da Vinci courts went round and blew them yeah, all yeah. up. That's what it's I was leaning up. towards. So effectively, and then another thing comes out, which again I think this is fucking. This is why you can't have religions almost based close to modern day because then it becomes ludicrous. Because then what surfaces is a letter from Joseph Smith's wife. Claiming that it was his brother who first met the angel lizard thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. no. And then they're going to flip it for 300k to the LDS church. Yeah. And this is in a thing called the McLellan collection, right? So it's diaries and letters. There's a whole and then there's that, a whole heap of stuff. That creepy Shannon is like, the only way to keep a secret between two people is to kill one of the people. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> There's another way. There must be another way, Shannon. Come on. Um, and then basically, it, it's announced that the bomb, the first bomb that goes off, killed Steve Christensen. And Steve Christensen was just about to buy the letter from Joseph Smith's wife, the whole McLellan collection. He was buying that for the church for 300 large. Um, he dies. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. He bought the salamander letter as well. Hang on a second. Because I initially, because he seemed like a goody two shoes, so I'm like, well, he's guilty. Because initially everyone's guilty, right? And then one by one they get removed. So he was removed from my <laughs> from my suspicions on account of he sadly died. Well, and then you have um, there was another guy, Gary Sheets, was also within the deal to sort out yeah. these letters, and a booby trap turns up at his house and kills his wife. Yeah. And then the third bomb goes off later, right? And this one is is really sad because it destroys a Toyota MR2, which is a lovely sports car. I don't know if you've you've seen them. <laughs> that was my first red flag of the fucking. I tell you what, who who's who's got a lot to lose? Who's the Mormon in a convertible? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me hear more about this fucking guy. But yeah, so Mark, the guy who founds it, he then blows yeah. up in his fucking car. Exactly, and he's what gets destroyed in that car is the McKellen collection. The, right? Yeah, the McKellen collection was that. What was the yeah. McKellen collection going to be? That was the letter with Joseph from Joseph Smith's wife. Thought it was going going, to be like, oh no, it was the brother, the original yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Basically, yeah, and it blows. And he's he's in hospital, right? He's a, he's on death's door. That poor fellow. So and suddenly also, he's removed. They also remove. Um, it, you don't see Mark. Mark's one of the few talking heads of people that you haven't seen. You, you, no, you, you don't. don't see yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah. And also, they're not entirely clear on whether or not Mark's alive. Do you know what I mean? You assume yeah. this guy dies, like for a long time. If you don't know the story, you think yeah. Mark's dead. And there's a whole thing of this: a Mormon guy came up to him when he was on fire and blessed him with his holy oil. It's just like it's flammable, you cunt. <laughs> and, and then and then give him a blessing while he's like smouldering on the side. And, um, no, he didn't. He didn't give him a blessing. He crawls out of the car, collapses on the pavement, and the guy runs over to him, and he commands him not yeah. to die. I commanded him to live. I commanded him to live. Can you do that? Well, where were you when that poor guy's wife was dying? 
You should have gone and helped her. In fact, this guy needs to go work in a hospital, right? I command you to live. Um, and the old Bill, this is this tickled me a bit because the old Bill and the other talking heads are all involved and in the And they're saying things. throughout this, like, oh, fuck, everyone involved in this is like, Mark, you need to get out of town. And like, the guy, uh, yeah. Brent, Mac- Brent Metcalf is one of the big talking yes. heads, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. So Brent Metcalf is like, he's talking about just being in tears, smacking his wheel, going, why didn't you fucking listen? Yeah. And um, the police said to him, what's your name? And he told them, and they went, you're on our list. We think someone's trying to kill you. We reckon, go and get your wife and, and just be careful. How do you be careful from someone who's trying to bomb you? Shouldn't the police have some sort of bigger response than, you watch yourself now? Yeah, the police don't seem great on this, but they actually do a good job. It's it's interesting because Jer- Jerry Delia is the name of the uh, the detective, who this isn't going to help anyone whatsoever, but he looks so much like my Auntie Jill. It is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not he's not a copper. He's a he's a lawyer. Oh yeah, of him saying it's a beautiful day for a bombing while there's fucking limbs hanging out all over this fucking government yeah. building. But his opening um, his opening statement was, "Yeah, I was kicked out of college as an undesirable." What a quite great way to introduce yourself. <laughs> and he clearly loves a drink, right? He went, I, "Look, I just wanted to ski and drink." Very much like me, Auntie Jill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was the lady used to live next door to us in the flat growing up, and whenever whenever she went home, you'd hear her do her knock off, and then. You knew she'd got back all right, but like towards the end of it, <laughs> just as she fell over, um, she starts doing stomp. But the, the, there's a good little misdirection stuff in it because like they they like show footage of him being taken to uh, Latter Day Saints Hospital, and you're like, oh fuck, well if the church are killing these people, yeah. he's been sent into the belly of the beast. You know what I mean? Is this how we don't have a talking head from Mark? Yeah. Um. Well, that, that's it. Basically, we, we wrap up episode one and episode one yeah. for me, it flew by. Right. It really did. I was like, oh, that was very good. Um, and I was a little hooked. And at the end of it, I was going to drop you a note to say Hoffman's done it. Hoffman is guilty. And even though he blew himself up, I was like, yeah, bomb makers are known for blowing themselves up by mistake. So um, I'm like, yeah, he's something's dodgy with that geezer. And episode one finishes, and then episode two opens with episode two is the one with possibly the most filler. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah, a lot of filler. Episode yeah. two feels like what they did for three of the episodes on the Cecil, because now they're about <laughs> now they're about documents, and you're like, could give a fuck? I mean. Like, I just kept, like, the McLaren collection. I keep on thinking it's the Steve McLaren collection. It's just a list of <laughs> him trying to buy Emil Heskey and playing 442. Like. Well, Mark Kaufman's dad, um, they were saying, yeah, he got really upset because he went around uh, Mark's house and he saw that his kids had a book that had dinosaurs in. And he goes, well, that goes against the word of God. You cannot teach, you know, children that, that version of events. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> So they're really strict. This is bullshit. Go and see your mums. <laughs> <laughs> Just the aggression on the dad. Like, you can tell that was a strict, strict guy, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The minute they start delving into Hoffman's past in episode two, I'm like, well, why? Why are they looking at this guy? And here's the... And this was... 
somewhat a little bit insulting, right? He's sent as a missionary overseas to go and help those less fortunate than himself, right? The Mormons do it all around the world. They right? send them to Manchester. <laughs> and I tell you what, Isn't I it? think this is where this guy <laughs> got put on a wrong path because because yeah. the amount of doors this poor bugger knocked on, guys, you can fuck off, you little way though. <laughs> yeah, right, kid, look at this virgin coming to a door. <laughs> 1974 as well, they sent him to Manchester, England. Now, my missus is from Manchester. So she said, yeah, probably back then, they probably did need all the help they can get. And so, so Mark was like this savant of finding and discovering like, or, like these old documents. And what they said is, Mark's power was to be able to go in and know exactly what size of a book to look for, and which was important to him. And that's a small nugget of information that becomes pretty fucking important towards the end. Like, yeah. Like, and that's Sharon Flynn. He's, um, oh, whispering Willie there. He's he's arrested and questioned over the bombings. There was, a, there was like a Trisha. There was a Trisha TV show when they have like one of the other document hunters on and they go, before we start, did you kill those people? He's like, no, okay. And he goes, I've got someone else in the audience with us. And you got like him twitching in the audience. Goes, yeah. No, I did not kill any of those people. <laughs> and then it tells you things like Shannon's like great with a butterfly knife. And they've got all these act outs. Like um, there's a Jonah yeah. Hill movie, which he just, he is pretty much Jonah Hill. And like, is it War Dogs or something like that when they're selling yes. guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like him and Mark are going out for drives. And then like the minute they say Mark got him to buy an Uzi and then he gets arrested for the Uzi and then railroaded. He goes to prison for that. He goes to prison for an unlicensed firearm. I thought you'd get a slap on the wrist. You you can't go and do hard time for that, can you? Uh, yeah, and there was like a page you found called like the Oath of Something is a big deal. Yeah, the so it was the Oath of a Free Man, right? Now Oath it was of the first man. there we go. The first printed document in colonial America. Now this was gonna sell for one point five million. And the reason this is so important, because I've just finished the Alexander Hamilton um autobiography. Sorry, biography. Um, the reason this is so important, the French Revolution and the American Revolution was made possible by people being able to print leaflets and pamphlets and get information out there to people. And people who they could, a lot of people couldn't read. So people would stand up, like people like you would stand up who could read and read these pamphlets and be leaflets honest, to in them. In those days, I would not be amongst the people that could read. Like I can read well, now, yes, be that, yeah. because there's systems in place <laughs> to make sure an idiot like me learns how to fucking read. Yeah. but I, got, I mean, the four books you've read, of that's, that's testament to that, right? You can read. Picking turnips out of the ground with the rest of them in their fucking Baldrick <laughs> outfits. I know exactly where I would be. But the reason this is important, so that was the first printed document in colonial America that they know exists. So, yeah, really important. Selling as well, 1.5 million. And they, um, one of the fences he's using is a guy called Al Rust, who surprisingly ages really well when you see him. <laughs> well, you wouldn't expect that on Rust, would you? No, that was a joke. No. <laughs> I try to inject, oh, I, try to inject I, a bit I of fucking formulated humour into I this, and I think, no, forget it. Yeah, forget no, it. There we go. We are not lined up at all lately. Dun 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 dun. Edit this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Do that again. That was quite a funny joke. It's just no, I was no, trying we're to good. be clever. We're good. We don't. We're, we'll keep it authentic, buddy. I, I, 
I don't need two takes for the Al Rust line. We're good. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was disappointed in myself for making it, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, I was just getting insecure that I didn't know anything about this monster. <laughs> while they're looking into the history of Hoffman and, and you know, the, the all the documents he's found, they also talk about the eyewitness that they saw who dropped the first bomb off. And here's oh what the God. eyewitnesses all said. They went, he was a clean cut man. I know. White guy, it's clean Utah. cut. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone in Utah is guilty. Yeah. So back to my list of damn, you're all guilty. Shit. Well, here's the thing. And this is the crux. <laughs> this is, a, this is a, an amazing, an amazing fucking thing that happens here, right? So the guy who drops off the package that turns out to be booby trapped is wearing a letterman jacket from a high school. Yeah. And who always wears his Letterman jacket, which again, major red flag for me is Mark Hoffman, the third guy who got bombed the third time. So like, oh, that's that's Mark's jacket. You need to interview Mark. Yeah. That's like me going to fucking bomb a government building, but I wear my Newcastle shirt with fucking Wharton number seven on my back. <laughs> well, I've got my old fucking school bag with a fucking hermitage badge on it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that is the... <laughs> That is one of the, up there with some of the stupidest fucking decisions I've ever heard made. Well, the weird thing is Hoffman came home, right? Um, which, because we knew he was going to live because he was commanded not to die. And his wife said, yeah, there was something off with him. Yet, yeah, love, someone had tried to blow him up and they destroyed his Toyota MR2. Of course something was off with him. But then they go into what's his face, Shannon quickly, just, just on his arrest. They talk about how he had the anarchist cookbook. But everybody seems to have that. Yeah, That's... yeah, that was a popular thing. That I, that yeah, I... I think that was like the joy of sex, wasn't it? You had to have a copy of that at that time. Like it was what nineteen eighty? Was it nineteen eighty five? And then this is embarrassing. They said of Shannon is yeah. he was a person who wanted to be someone he wasn't. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, we thought he was a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> And he got, and then they talk about lie detector results. So Shannon got like plus 12 on the lie detector, which, and I'd never heard the scoring system on it. No, the way he laid out how the scoring system works on a lie detector, you were like, oh, so minus six is bad, plus six is good. And he went, yeah, I got plus 12. You're like, hey, all right, that's your only achievement in life, but son. He does, Calm he down. does the whole, because you know he's had to tell people that from an, from such a time, from since 1992. Like, okay, so if you're lying, then it's minus six. And if you're telling the truth, absolute truth, it's above six. I got 12. So leave me the fuck alone. That is a knife in my pocket. <laughs> Would you like to see the first ever Beano? You don't appreciate Desperate Dan. Um, Hoffman's family said he'd never been in trouble before and that he was an Eagle Scout. That doesn't rule you out from doing bad stuff, right? Because by now I'm like, yeah, listen, he's got to be guilty. They're focusing everything on Hoffman. And he's going to be, it's either him or his wife. She she put him up to it. I, see, I but then not, I'm like, oh, she's in the she's in the talking heads. Why would she? I, I did not at any point think guilty. the wife had anything to do with it. Even when she found the first document that made it all happen? Nah. Oh, okay. Anyway, I apologise if she's listening to this. I, I thought you were guilty for a while. You were taken off the table very quickly. And then um, here's the thing, right? So they're, they're painting Mark to be a bad person. But then they do these space age tests, right, with a machine that's 
got a nuclear reactor connected to it that says the um, the letters are all genuine. The they- salamander letter was genuine. The other thing was genuine. So all of the documents that they were painting Mark out to be a bad guy had been tested by the FBI and they were all proved to be true, right? So the oath of the free man was genuine. Uh, the salamander letter was genuine. And I like what the investigator said. This ruined Christmas for our team. Yeah, ruined Christmas. <laughs> how how dare we have factual evidence from the I'm FBI? I'm so predisposed to police railroad, and when, especially when it's like a public case and they need results. They're like, we like him for it, fit him for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, what? It's a fit up. Now we've got to think of someone else for it. So Mark... Mark released from hospital, released... Um, one second. He's the number one suspect, right? Yeah, Mark's number one. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then, and they, then that... he's starting to find other documents. It's just like, come on, Mark, you've you've dabbled in this world now. Just get the fuck out. It's just like, oh, he's found the first edition of the Quran that says they need to point <laughs> south. That should be fine. <laughs> no one's going to get offended by that. There's no fanatics coming for you. He is lucky. Um, but yeah, now he's he's the number one suspect. Um, and then again, that episode two ends. So you're like, okay, well, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll wrap all of this up in episode three because there's only one episode left. And episode three opens, and I, I love this, oh, right? Just Absolutely love it. Before they go it. to episode three, so they give Mark a polygraph test, and he gets plus 14. On the polytest test. So uh, not only is his documents proved to be real, he's also absolutely aced the lie detector. But he's still the number one suspect. And then you go into episode three, and I'm like, okay, well, they're going to drag it out. Either him or Shannon are guilty. The opening scene on episode three, and this is why I, I, I did actually, I really like this documentary just because of this. They arrest Mark Hoffman, and then you hear the questioning Right. And the first question they ask him is, when did you first think about killing people? And straight away he went, oh, okay, it was this point. Yeah, I did this. I did this. Well, let's go into how they came to that. Episode three. So so how they came to that is they're like, okay, let's tip all the boxes out, go through all the evidence again. They find. No, but that was the opening scene on episode three. And then they go back to how they got it. Oh, did they? And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, he is guilty. Oh, I was right. Brick and oh, bad with good. It. Fair enough. I might have been filling yeah, up yeah. the vape pen during that, but <laughs> he's guilty. Are you sure? I was. Did you step out of the room only oh, for a moment, officer? So, um, yeah. So they they go through all the evidence of Mark tipping out all the boxes, and they find one business card or one invoice to a, a Mark Hans- a Mike Hansen. Yeah, and that Hansen is a printing press. And yeah. Mike Hansen, they asked for a receipt, and they basically what happened is he was two dollars short of paying for this, <laughs> so he had to write a check and put his real name on it. So now they got a link to this guy going to a printing press, and then they go through and they show you what he got printed. And oh dear, it's called off of a free man. <laughs> He's banged to rights, this fella, mate. What a grift! And also, you could just really take the piss. You could be like, oh, found found another page. Turns out it was actually a giraffe. That um, spoke to Joseph <laughs> Smith. Yeah, that'll be three hundred thousand if you don't want people to read this shit. And then you, that's when you meet. Uh, so the salamander letter. The the church actually sends a salamander letter to the FBI for further authentication. And George Throckman, who he's just what a because again the George Throckman and they go who's a Mormon by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love George Frutman. He went, I don't like people. Yeah. I keep away from people. I do a job that means I don't have to interact with people. I I, I thought he he might <laughs> oh, he might have you, done sir. it. He's, this is this is the mastermind behind yeah. all is George Throckman. And he's not having a bar of it, is he? Absolutely nothing. He's like, nah, the FBI got to be wrong. Now bear in mind, you know they're they're trying to prove him, even though we know he's he's guilty, right? They're like, yeah, and this is how we did it, and they basically they go for it, and they prove he's he did fake them letters. They faked all of it. So suddenly you're like, oh, I don't trust the FBI anymore then. Oh, but Throckman also gets uh, another FBI guy to come in, forensic analysis, who isn't Mormon because he wants to be beyond reproach <laughs> with it. What religion are you? I'm a lapsed Catholic. You'll do. Get on in here, son. And here's the w- weird thing. So Mark Hoffman pleaded guilty to murder and forgery. Do you know... And this is insane, Do you know, right? here's a quick thing, right? Because... Once he's arrested, and I don't know if you noticed this, there's been two episodes at this point. This is the first time you hear Mark Hoffman's voice and you're like, oh, that guy's going to be angry against yeah. the world. That is, because I thought it was distorted over time, but no, he's just got this weird high-pitched voice. Yeah. Like he was uh, on discussion documentaries, Life 2.0. Like, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Episode 38, if I'm not wrong. I get a package from that guy. I'm not open it. I tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the minute I hear, but his he voice, pleaded guilty to murder, and yeah, well, he sounds, he sounds like an old lady, basically, or a middle aged so lady. Him and is, Flynn in a weird. fucking sports car with Uzis and knives must have been one of the most hilarious things you could have fucking seen. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I hate the world. I don't think people treat us well either. Like, just the most ridiculous odd couple you could have possibly met in this weird fucking rare document world. Like, But you don't understand, as a documentary choice, they decided not to let you hear his voice until that point because you're like, I don't trust that. That, that, that We've been watching this for two hours before we realise he sounds like Pinky and fucking Perky. There's a reason they're like, nah, you just, the guy's too fucking creepy. What happened to all their voices? Um, so he pleads guilty to murder and forgery, and he gets five years to life in prison. That He killed two people and himself, almost, and he only got five years. How nice are these Mormons? I mean, because he, he didn't go to trial, did he? They went, okay, if you pleaded guilty, if you plead guilty, you don't get the death sentence, and that's what he wanted to avoid. But five years to life, that that's nothing. It's a weak sentence. Um. Yeah. Very. Did he forge some pictures of the judge? So it goes through his backstory. It turns out he's like a fucking Jedi of forgery. As a kid, he, he made a coin and sent it to the treasury, which got authenticated. Yeah. And it's just like so that's real now. Yeah. But the big grip because he had like you loads of money problems. He was spending it, pissing the money away. He was overcompensating. Can't imagine what for. Yeah. So he <laughs> created a Ponzi scheme, didn't he? Basically, so he'd he'd. Say to one collector, I've got this, give me a down payment, give that to someone he owed money to, then do the same again and give that back to the well, collector his, who he just... his long-haul hustle was going to be the things that he's authenticated, they were going to use that to check his new stuff against. Yes. So he was yeah, yeah. he was about to fucking release like this fucking like work of Magna Carta. Well, it, it, what that work was, right, it was the 106 pages of the original Book of Mormon. 
So there were two books of Mormon written, right, that Joseph Smith narrated and they got they got written. And the third, the second one was a test and they wanted to see if it collaborated against the first first one because it was watch the South Park episode. It's superb. Anyway, that was those 116 pages that would be going for millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah. And so like he was, he was laying the groundwork for that. But at this point, I'm yeah. like, could you ask him about the bombings? Not about making coins as a fucking teenager. Like that's the part where like I'd really like to hear the explanation, yeah. which is coming. They, they do go into that and it's pretty but, chilling. But they only they only go smallly into that. Like when did you decide to kill? They didn't cover who he decided to kill and why. Right. Well, because he just had because that was all assumption. He was because basically uh, Steve Christensen was the first. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He was going to get the Steve the Steve McLaren documents authenticated, and then there was the guy he was going to meet for. There's another guy involved, and they ju- he just needed another bomb to seem like it was in on it. And then you're like, oh shit! So yeah. did he blow himself up to look like he was, um, you know, to th- th- to throw the smoke off. But no, he he didn't because they're basically like, no, you were going to see someone else that was going to get another thing authenticated, and yeah. you were meeting him for dinner, and he was just at a traffic light, and you know someone went in the back of him or something. You went no, it <laughs> 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 was like the beginning of the casino as car goes up in fucking smoke. Well, they said it was um, you know, were you trying to commit suicide? You know, and if only that damn Mormon hadn't commanded him to live, he would have got away with it. <laughs> Pesky Mormons. And again, how theatrical is Shannon Flynn when he goes, he doesn't know, he give a blessing to the devil. Yeah. He's, he's like laughing and crying in the same sentence. There's something I want to keep an eye on about Shannon Flynn. Yeah, there's something dodgy about that. Um, and then after his confession and he does all of this, uh, the parole board, board decides that he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. What, so... They already knew he killed two people and he gets five years to life. But after he told them about how he committed all the forgeries, they then decide to keep him in prison for forever. That doesn't make any sense. What Did you get... I'm not misunderstanding that, am I? Yeah, because he tried to have the but, parole board killed. Um... No, but before any of that, right? So he, he did his confessions about how he did all the... Um, about how he did all the forgeries... But he'd already been sentenced to five years to life. And the parole board went, yeah, you're going to stay in prison for forever. What, because of the forgery methods? It didn't make sense. I think they may have kept I... it so that they could get info out of them. So if they keep that, here's a plea deal. Or not a plea deal, but look, look, cooperate. It's five five years to life. We want to know everything. Because the the the, the one of the good parts for closure on this, to an extent is the the it's not like a deposition it's like a court hearing where he just calmly yeah yeah talks about everything really calmly like, and, right he said and again you realize you're not seeing scary. Mark Hoffman's face a whole lot for it because he is a Jeffrey Dahmer type he is a fucking uh mm. Ted Bundy level of calm about his actions he's just yeah really proper psychopath right proper psychopath they said how do you feel about killing those people he went well they they're not suffering well, hang on. <laughs> no, because that's not even the thing that's that I not an answer. Was, um, so, do you feel guilty about the people you murdered? And he went, um. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Um, 
Yeah, the guy was a fucking psychopath. Um, and then they asked what was really going on with the third bomb, because like, look, we know you did. Because he then claimed it was a suicide attempt what, in the middle of yeah, the street yeah. while he was driving. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no fucking way. That just went off at the wrong time. But they also talk about how he put nails in the bomb to make sure that Christiansen died and the brutality yeah. of that, his selection of who he killed. Um, but the one that killed um, the wife... That wasn't even meant to go off. He went, yeah, that was meant to be a phony. I, it was only fifty percent meant to go off. Really? Yeah. Why didn't you just dis? Why didn't you do it so it wouldn't go off at all? That, that would, that couldn't have been that difficult, right? But he, again, he was all about like yourself, right? He's all about the authenticity. He he needed to make it look as if it would have gone off, and then he was hoping it didn't. Sadly, it did, and she died. But yeah, there was no remorse in him at all. And then they go about the polygraph because he got plus 14 on the polygraph. And as a kid, he actually built a polygraph machine and practiced it for years. There was a room his wife wasn't allowed to go into. Again, that's a red flag you could have told me on episode one. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, it just meant one extra room I didn't have to clean. Oh, okay. All right. And it was locked all the time. Hang on. There's not a person on the planet who would let that happen. Yeah. Well, what's behind the locked door? Uh, none of your business yeah it is my business I'm your wife I'm your husband let me in come on nope nothing for you to see in there yeah um... he was a good forger though wasn't he the uh, forging methods were fantastic that was fascinating to watch I was genuinely I was like oh so he got a vacuum cleaner (laughs) like vacuum cleaners on the back of the pages to suck the ink through to he would put, he would put like an electrified fish tank without water to like simulate age on the pages. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. To um, just some, to create ozone. I didn't know that's how you created ozone. Just, I didn't know we could do that. Just absolutely insane methods he built himself. And then they're like, look, we don't actually know how many of his forgeries are out there because there was yes. just that many. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. So they don't even want to pull at that string of how many like things no. here or there aren't real because it's just this fucking lunatic. That's no different to that Lee Israel. They don't know how many of her documents are out there that are forgeries. Who's that? She was the woman, the Melissa McCarthy movie. They're like, yeah, we have no idea how many. Oh, we don't know if Steven Seagal really wrote that thank you note. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. How can you tell? You know that signed Alan Shearer shirt you've got? That's real. Uh, may not be real. You, no, it may is, not be real. Quick, by the way. Unless you were with Alan when he did it, this is, it might not be real. When I stopped getting autographs, there was two reasons. Um, number one, when I was a kid, they used to train in Chesley Street where, uh, and used to be able to go and get autographs. My brother took my shirt down and we just signed a new Dutch player. Um, my brother just ran up to any player he could. He goes, can you sign this, please? And they imagine it's black and white, so he signs it in like permanent fabric marker on the white, and uh, he was called Brian Penis, and his <laughs> and his surname was Block Fucking Capital. So now I have this Newcastle United shit with Penis written down it. Um, his name wasn't Penis. You're winding me no, up. No, Brian, Your brother's winding you up. Brian Penis, a Dutch player. I swear to God. Because believe me, Shut Dan up. would have happily told me that that was a prank. Brian Penis, we signed him during the... Um, it was after Keegan, so it would have been Kenny Daglish or Rude Hullet years. Oh, wow. Defensive midfielder. I think we've got him from like Feyenoord. I am not... He was called Brian Penis. I'll try and find... Oh, that's I'll beautiful. I'll find a picture of the shirt somewhere. But... Um, and another one is when my buddy got ill. 
the road to Manchester United, um, and they send out like they have like a whole thing of sending out cards with signatures and stuff. Get well soon, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And the players that signed them were all shit. <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was like Talif, like I mean, Talif Chong's doing all right now from the youth, but it was like there, there was no fucking Wayne Rooney signing that card. There was no. <laughs> there was no Zlatan Ibrahimovic on there. It was kind of like, no, oh, I'm hoping they would sell that can. B-team him. Yeah. B-team him. He, he's not young enough. And then I thought, so they, they kind of wrap it up. And a good thing, another directorial choice is Dory Hoffman. On the last scene there, she's talking. She's now referred to not as her wife, as his ex-wife. Ex-wife, again, they, yeah. they remove all yeah. little red flags yeah. as much as humanly possible during yeah. this. I think this is a good... Little quick deception to send you the wrong way, the right way, the wrong way, and then you have the stone cold killer at the end telling him. Because he then tried to have Throckman killed, he tried to have the parole yes. board killed. He did. <laughs> um and it ends basically with pictures of him over the years in prison. Did you and you just see him change and he looks scary, I, right? He looks scary. I tell you what, it is satisfying to see the life wasted in jail. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like the end of Roseanne when you see them aging through the years, and then um, did you see the 2012 pick of him and recognise him by any chance? Because we've shared a car with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that he'll be on mock the week one day, and me and you'll be crying into one another's shoulders. So the um... but he did. He looks scary, right at the end. He starts chubbing up. Like the nine, the twenty seventeen picture. So he's been in prison for what's that? Nine hours, uh, coming on thirty years. Yep, thirty years. Yeah, and he, I, th- I think he's going to remain in for life. And here's the thing: I think if yeah, he's never let, he's never getting let out. I think because oh, he also tried to kill himself with sleeping pills. And when he when he passed out, he his arm folded. So. Yeah, so he stopped his arm from working. So yeah, really, so I, that was that sounds like a cover up to me. Yeah. Um, and here's the weird thing. His son, it's only mentioned once, his son was named Jared. And the director's name is Jared. And I was, I'm was, i trying to find out, are they the same person? Because his son was born in 1979. But the baby, in, no, that was 1985, wasn't it? The, uh, mm. I was just trying to work out, if, is that the same person? Is that his son? That's why he's made this documentary. No, no. They, it would, I mean, as a director, you'd put yourself in it. Do you know what I mean? If you're the son, you've I guess got, so. you've got yeah, like yeah. an image of what the impact on the family and stuff was. But then why did they leave in the bit where he said his son's name? They've got... Yeah. Um... Oh, my God, I'm spending too much time. I'm becoming a web sleuth. Slap me, Rick. Slap me. I've, I found a documentary where um, someone is a family friend of Andrew Jarecki and he asked them to do some like filming for them and then he discovers there was a serial killer in the family and I'm like, that sounds fucking amazing. Damn it, Jarecki. <laughs> I hope you've done it again. He does the jinx. But yeah, like I said, I thought that was... But if you did this documentary any other time towards I think he's close to what could be a possible parole do you know what I mean like now it's been 30 years and they could be like fuck him let him out burden on the state I've, no I think he's a no I think he's a psychopath I think he's I think a psychopath that's why they're not I'm talking about out. the jail yeah, system yeah. I'm talking about the no I've, I think the jail system are like no the guy's a psychopath we can't let him out I think he has no remorse that, that person that... and how much he wanted people to know how smart he was yes. would have done interviews X amount of years ago now yeah. it's folded inwards and he's got nothing left. But I think he would have done the interviews years ago. 
just that that personality type. He wanted to be famous. He wanted to be the big shot. I know. I think that's why he confessed so early on, right? The minute they got him, he was like, "Yeah, I did it. Here's how I done he it." He wanted to show off about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do, what I realised at the end of this, I've seen too much true crime, and I've, that's the second one I've called really early on. Yeah, you got that quicker than me. Right, and here's another weird thing. I've predicted the last, I think it's the last three scores of the West Ham matches. <laughs> nil, nil, one, nil, nil, nil. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a fucking savant there, Nostradamus. I, I think I'm becoming a savant. That's what it is. Um, all right, Rick, let's give this one a score, mate. I'm giving this one a decent 3.5. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, even though I, I called it early on, which pleased me. I did have doubts throughout, so... Um, yeah, I'm going to give this a free. When they just... misled you on certain things to keep out of who did what, it was short enough that it wasn't a big issue. Because that last episode yeah. was all conclusion. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it was fascinating, right? It was all method. So I'd say it was too long. They they probably it could have got that into two it episodes. Into how he's even a dick as a kid. So they were going on a treasure hunt one day. So he went the day before yeah. and fucking buried coins. So he'd be the one who found coins. And and he admitted he liked deceiving people. That's he got off on it, right? So um, yeah, just just fucked his family, killed people for no reason. It's uh, yeah, but yeah, decent watch. Uh, it, it washes away the Cesar the Cesar Hotel pretty well, I think. Yeah, actually, it does. And um, I think you're gonna what you're gonna need to do now is you're gonna need to find a true crime documentary where I'm like, oh, this is very good. Well, here's the problem, Matt. Here's Here's the problem. You read the fucking blurbs, so don't talk like you're a genius. Well, no, this blurb was awful. Let me reread it. Hang on. Look, the blurb is, high-stakes exploits turn deadly, shake a global church to its core. No, it fucking didn't. All right. It's an extraordinary true crime story. That was dreadful. The gauntlet has been laying down now. You can choose if this goes on the Patreon feed or the main feed, but that is making a murderer. I want to see what you think of that. Oh, right. Okay. How many episodes is that? 22. We're Patreon in that. <laughs> that. So that's 48 hours of editing at least. Yeah. Right, okay. Now, now, when you talk about web sleuths and things, like this is, so yeah, I've told you how long that is. I started watching it at my house. I watched it, got up to like episode five when it first came out. Now, like, this is fucking mint. I then had to go for a gig in Manchester. I stayed with a buddy from school who's living in Manchester. Didn't get any knocks on the door for moments, thankfully. But um, I went, check this out. He got into it. So I watched like the first seven episodes through the night with him. I come back down and then my flatmate's like, are you watching this? And one episode two goes, oh, I'll watch a bit with you because we'll talk about it throughout. And then our last is like, are you watching this making a murderer? And I had to start it again. And then I watched it again with my fucking mother. I have seen this doc. I have dreams from subsidiary characters in this from their point of view. Oh, wow. So I can't wait for you to go, I think this happened. I'm like, mm, you don't know nothing, <laughs> young man. <laughs> so... Yeah. What I liked about the uh, the Mormon one was the fact I didn't know anything. I'd never heard of it. True. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, oh. And I think oh, that this happened, is really it? positive for the Mormon community because this is the first time I've ever heard the Mormons mentioned without them talking about having loads of wives. I've never heard them mentioned without that being a hair's breath away. But these are rare, I'd... nerdy document hunters who probably could only get one wife. <laughs> I'd... I would really recommend that South Park episode on the Mormons. It's mint. The, so South Park did that. They've it's got, superb. They've got the Book of Mormon, which was great. And back in the day, that was a great show. Ever see the movie? I took my missus to see that. Yeah, uh, it was. I just got on digital, and the movie of the week was uh, Orgasmo. You ever seen that one? 
I've not seen that. No, Matt Stone and Trey oh, Parker. Hilarious yeah, yeah. Guys, especially as a kid, I, I can't imagine it with modern eyes. But he plays like someone from the Church of Latter Day Saints who goes to Hollywood on a mission and it ends up in porn, and they have a gun that makes people jizz. But yeah, really funny. It's the South Park. Guys. <laughs> South Park's superb. Like I said, let's get it on the national curriculum. That's our hashtag, Rick. That's what's going to get... That's the hashtag that people are going to have on masks. No, it's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, say goodbye. All right, thanks for listening. Take it easy. Yeah, thanks for listening. ta